The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM, featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. Hey, and welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, guys, we're going to be talking about this Super Bowl that was not so super. Peyton Manning didn't show up. Percy Harvin did. And that's a whole lot of Russell Wilson to talk about. Sam, what's going on, buddy? Not much, Daryl. Like you said, uh, the Super Bowl that turned into a route, you had the number one offense in the NFL versus the number one defense in the NFL. You know, hey, there's a saying out there that offense win games and defense win championships. And America got a chance to see last night that it is a true saying. Defenses will win championships, Daryl. Seattle routed the Denver Broncos and just beat the brakes off the off of the Denver Broncos. And to me, Daryl, the game was over after 12 seconds. When the center snapped the ball over Peyton Manning's head, it was a tw- the quickest score in Super Bowl history, and from there, it didn't get any better for the Denver Broncos. So let's let's just dive right into it, Daryl. Hey, it went downhill after that, Sam. You know, it, it was it was almost sad to see how um, how Peyton Manning was really frustrated and flustered the whole night. And you know, you called it. You know, you said the defense would uh, would prevail in this game, and they did. Uh, I was really surprised that. Um, that Denver's offense just never got into any kind of rhythm at all. Uh, well, well, Daryl, um, I do have to say uh, I I didn't see this one coming. I I, I figured that uh, Seattle would uh, scrape and claw and find a way to win this game, but uh, to to say hey, I knew Seattle was going to beat the Denver Broncos by thirty five points. I would just be telling the ball face lie. Uh, what what I did, what I do know about Seattle, and after researching them for weeks and weeks and weeks, is that uh, Seattle they don't change. They stay true to form, uh, true to who they are, and uh, what they're going to do defensively, they're going to run around, they're going to hit you, and they're going to out physical you. Uh, they have big corners on the outside. They have a big time uh, safety and. And Thomas and Chancellor, and they just do what they do, Daryl. Uh, they they got after Peyton Manning. I really have to tip my hat to their front four. They did a great job of uh, not sacking Peyton Manning, but making him move his feet and uh, not getting into that comfort zone that we're used to seeing um, Peyton Manning play in. And uh, I mean, it was some big time hits out there, Daryl. Uh, it, it was guys running to the football and. Uh, it, it was a great day to be a Seattle Seahawk, man. I tell you, uh, Pete Carroll and the uh, the young general manager, they've done a great job of assembling this team. And uh, right now, Daryl, the question to you is, is 
who's going to beat this team? They're young. They got guys that are under contract for at least another year. Uh, they're going in a couple of years. They're going to run into a situation where they're going to have to make some decisions on these guys. But I tell you what, man, they have a great formula going, and uh, it's like the next man in. They they lost guys all season long, and guys stepped up. And uh, there, I tell you what, you know, there's a lot of teams around the National Football League that say, "Hey, we're going to play the best guys," uh, and we know that that's not the case. Nine times out of ten, the guy who's making the most money at a position is the guy that's going to play it. The one thing when you look at this Seattle roster, it's kind of a dysfunctional roster. But you have guys that are late round draft picks that are uh, free agents, uh, college free agents that are streak free agents that are on this roster, and they're contributing. So that's the one thing that Pete Carroll he's sending a message that the best guy is going to play. I don't care how much money you're making. And these guys are hungry and they fly around and they hit you and they just they have a lot of fun doing it. I tell you, man, um, I really applaud Pete Carroll for the program that he's built. And when you look at this team, it looks a little bit like that, um, that USC team that he had in college. You know, a, a super athletic team, some big-time hard-hitting safeties, um, a, a running back that's going to be slashing and cutting and making a lot of moves. He and he still relies on the running game, no matter how. When you look at Pete Carroll's offense, it's a, it's a lot of old school offense in in this thing. Uh, Russell Russell Wilson adds a different type of dimension because he is a serious scrambler and he gives his receivers a lot of times time to get open. And you can tell, man, these guys have played with this Russell Wilson enough to know that if you keep moving around. He'll get the ball to you. You know, I, I think you're right. I think I think Pete Carroll has really um, built something that could be a dynasty. You know, it's not very often we talk about dynasties in, in the NFL. Probably haven't seen one since the Dallas Cowboys and Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. But um, Seattle could have something here, man. I, I really think they can. You're right. They're young. Um, they have a quarterback that's only been in the league for two years. He's already a star in this league. Uh Pete Carroll has not been in um, in the NFL very long himself. This is only his sixth year in the league, and he could be a real a real dynasty builder because I think this might be his last stop. You know, I don't see him going back to college. Uh, he's 61 years old. I don't see him um, going to another team. I see him being in Seattle for the duration of his career, and this could be um, the start of something really big in Seattle, man. The West Coast is ready for it. Uh, I, I tell you, Darrell, they also have a, a owner in Paul Allen that allows them to do their job. Uh, they've done a great job of assembling this team. Um, to me, it starts with Russell Wilson. He's 29 and 8, including the playoffs in his first two years in the National Football League. Uh, that's the most wins in the history of the NFL in two years. He has a Super Bowl championship. He became the second African American quarterback to start in a Super Bowl. And be and to be the winning quarterback. So, um, and you know, this is a young man that's playing for peanuts, Daryl. Uh, peanuts. Even if, even if Seattle wanted to pay him under the collective bargaining agreement in the NFL, he's not allowed to renegotiate his contract until after three years. So they're going to have him again uh, for another year of a bargain basement price. And these are the moves that are allowing the Seattle Seahawks to become a dynasty. When you have fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks that are playing like superstars and you have that in Malcolm Smith and uh, Richard Sherman and uh 
Cam Chancellor and Russell Wilson. These are guys that were late round draft picks. Doug Baldwin, uh, Kirsch. These guys were um, free agents, college free agents, and they're contributing big time to the Super Bowl champion uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and, and you hit on it, but uh, to me, it starts with this defense. They're young. They fly around. They have fun. I was watching one of the. Um, I was watching Baldwin's uh, press conference, and he talked about uh, how Pete Carroll makes it fun. How guys go out and compete. Uh, I heard Russell Wilson saying that they go ones on ones, uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. There's no other teams in the NFL that are doing this. So he's putting the best against the best. I also heard Pete Carroll mention that uh, from the start of the season. They were preparing to play in the Super Bowl and win it. So this wasn't nothing new to them. They didn't bring in any speakers to, to get the team fired up. They didn't put money on the table and say, this is the winner's share, this is the loser's share. They approached this like like they approached any other week during the season, Daryl. It was a business trip. They expected, you know, they expected to be there, and they expected I, I to win. I agree with you, Sam. I, I, I agree. Um, Pete Carroll has, has, has done an outstanding job. You know, and let's don't forget, man, this is the same dude that was the head coach for the New York Jets in 1994. You know, and, and, and don't forget, you know, before Bill Belichick was a coach of the New England Patriots, Pete Carroll was the head coach of the New England Patriots. You know, he, he and, and, when, and when Pete Carroll was um, two years later after that job, Pete Carroll became the USC head coach, and we saw what he did there. I mean, he, he built a dynasty at, at USC. You know, I mean, and, and, he, and we saw some super quarterbacks come, come through USC. Um, at the same time, um, Sam, he left a wreck behind him at USC. So I think we have to, you know, we, I, I, I love what he did. He's, he's at the Super Bowl, but... Hey, Daryl, the thing USC if, is so in the rearview mirror. I don't even I think agree. it's fair. I don't even oh, think it's man. fair Come to bring on. that up. At the end of the day, he he brought a lot of talent to USC. And you got to really think, Daryl, that USC job is a job that he had to pretty much beg for because he was like number six or number seven on their list. He politicked for that job. No one wanted that job at the time. And he took that job and made that, that a sexy job. Did he leave some... Uh, was there some allegations left behind? Yes. Was was there some trouble? But, hey, Daryl, that's going on in Alabama right now. That's going on in Miami. That's going on at Michigan. That's going over all, that's going on all around the country. And uh, so, but, but I really think he's, I think it's unfair to, to come back to that USC. You know what? He was a head coach in the NFL that was fired twice. And, and, and I think the thing that Pete Carroll learned from that is he was trying to be a coach that he wasn't really comfortable being a guy that yells and screams. Pete Carroll just showed 30 other coaches in the National Football League that, hey, you can have fun. You can smile. You can interact with your players. I agree totally. You can create a family atmosphere. And, and, and man, I, I tell you what, when the guy was at USC, when I would watch them practice and see some of the clippings, as a parent, and as a guy that played college football, when I looked at him, how he interacted with his team, the first thing I said, man, if my son was getting recruited, I would want my son to play for a guy like that. And as much as I love Michigan, when I saw Pete Carey at USC, I wouldn't have had no problem sending my son to play for him at USC. And, and another thing that I really, really, really loved about him when he was there is he let recruits know. 
You can come in here and you can compete. When guys start talking about, hey, am I going to play? How much playing time am I going to get? He didn't recruit those type of players there. And it's almost the same model in Seattle. I'm going to bring in the best guys. We're going to assemble the best team and the best guys are going to play. And I tell you, last night, Daryl, they was rewarded because they went out. They traded draft picks. They gave Percy Harvin a $67 million contract. They were close to putting him on the IR. And uh, they said he had a very special workout with Russell Wilson at the end of the season that prevented them from putting him on the IR. And I tell you what, man, he was a guy that made a difference in that game last night. Um, just him and his speed and and just that element. Whenever he touches the ball, he can go all the way. He got a kickoff return that he returned 87 yards for a touchdown. He had two carries for 45 yards. He was a difference maker last night. And and you got to really think, they pretty much played this whole season without Percy. So next year, they're going to have that weapon to go along with all the other pieces that they, that they have there. Hey, Sam, I'm not, I'm not saying that um, Seattle Seahawks do not have a team that could possibly be a dynasty. And I just said it. Pete Carroll, this is possibly his last stop. He's not going anywhere else after he after the Se- after he leaves the Seahawks job. This is his career-ending job, and and I and I applaud him. But I'm at the same time, man. We, we can't dismiss the fact that um, USC had a two-year bowl ban and elimination of 30 scholarships. And you know, come on, man. They had to forf- forfeit 30 scholarships. Now, some of these kids that was on that team. You know they really they 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 paid for that after Pete Carroll left. Now I'm now and I agree with you. What's in the past is in the past. It's already gone. All right, and 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 I and I'm I'm with Pete Carroll. I'm on his boat from this point on because the coaches that that usually get sanctions stuff things like that. Those are the guys that are helping their players. Those are the guys that that look out for their players. You understand what I'm saying? Guys love to play for them. So uh, and and I would have loved to play for Pete Carroll myself, but Sam, um, let's let's move on. All right, Pete Carroll is a great guy. He's a, he's a, you know I don't know what kind of guy he is, but I can tell you right now I think he's a great coach. Well, he and joined your former coach as the only co- uh, the only coach to win a national championship and a Super Bowl, man. So exactly. he joined a very very select. He's in an elite group Proud. for sure. Yes, he is. And, and if and if uh, he if he's in the same category as Jimmy Johnson, hey man, he is a heck of a coach because I I put Jimmy Johnson up there at the top, you know. And Jimmy Johnson said it in an interview that um, college football was hard, but it was nothing compared to coaching NFL football. You know, he said the pressure is on every week, and you and you're playing against the best of the best and the elite of the elite. And I think I think Pete Carroll has built an elite program, and he has some elite athletes on this team. And you're right; they're very young. We talk about Percy Harvin. You know, man, Percy Harvin. Um, he only had 45 yards from the line of scrimmage. But but when you see the difference that he made, the impact that he can make, and you know, I talked about it last week. I didn't think Percy Harvin's legs were under him, but that was two weeks, uh, a week between a week of the Super Bowl. Um, so his legs were under him in that game, and I really feel like this man, when he's healthy, he can dis- he can do a lot of things. Sam, he's a he's a I'm gonna tell you, he's probably one of the top ten running backs in the NFL when he's at his healthiest. Uh, he's lightning in a bottle. 
I'm telling you, man, he can run. He can throw the ball. He can catch the ball. He he can run out of the backfield. He can run reverses, speed sweeps. He can do a lot of things, man. Um, son, break screens. He does a lot of things, man. He's he's a very active player. I tell you, the old ball coach had to be smiling last night when they ran that Gator sweep twice and uh, had a lot of success, man. I really thought that Percy was going to take that first one to the, ho- to the house. He paused just a little bit, and uh, he ended up getting a, um, a 30-yard game. But uh, I-, I tell you, man, I'm just excited to watch the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, not because of their offense, not because of their, their young uh, – superstar quarterback, uh, but because of their defense, man. And uh, you, you touched on it earlier. Uh, Pete Carroll is playing an old-school brand of football where you you run the football and you stop the run. And uh, when you can do those two things there well, you're going to have a great chance of winning most ball games. Or you're going to be in most ball games. And this Seattle Seahawks team, they know how to win the close game. Uh, so it's, it, it's nothing new to them. Uh, for them, everything went their way. Four turnovers. They they scored on defense. They scored on special teams. They scored on offense. When you do those things, Daryl, you and I both know uh, you're going to be very successful, uh, no matter what level of football you're playing. And uh, now my thing is, we we heard a lot of talk about this defense. Where do the where do where do the Seahawks defense rank amongst the all time greats? And uh, and really, when I ask you that. The two teams that come to mind is the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens. Where do this Seattle Seahawks defense rank with those two great defenses? Because now this Seattle Seahawks defense, as a Super Bowl champion, they are officially great, Darrell. You know, as a, as a 2004 Super Bowl champions, I think the Seattle 14, Seahawks. 2014. 2014 Super Bowl champions. I think the Seattle Seahawks defense really, man, it, it ranks up there with the best. You know, uh, I can't give them the, the, the Richard Dent uh, Chicago Bears defense because I didn't see anybody on that on that team that measured up to Richard Dent or or uh, uh, Wilbur Marshall at linebacker. It was a lot of great players on that on that Chicago Bears defense. And but I will say this: they played better than the. The Ravens played last year, and I, I, I would have put them. I would put them above the Ravens and Ray Lewis from last year's Super Bowl champions. And um, hey, man, those guys, Cam Chancellor. I told you he was a big defensive back, but I didn't know he could hit as hard as he came up and hit. I, um, you know, some people were telling me how, how physical this guy is, and he's a big kid. But um, hey, he came up and did some serious damage, man. He's basically a linebacker. He is. Playing uh, strong safety, but the way, but but Daryl, you can get away with that when you when you run that cover three, that bump cover three, because now he's really you're dropping him down in the box. He's the eighth defender in the box. He's the outside linebacker. He can flip his hips and, and buzz the flat. He can uh, be physical on tight ends and the slot receivers where he can reroute and again buzz the flat. So you know he can do those do those things at 231 pounds. He's a big guy. Um, now, he's a guy that's already taken care of. They rewarded him last year. He seems like he's a very humble young man. And the thing that I love about all these guys, Daryl, is that they play for one another, and it seems like that that they're trying to get better and better every week. They are truly, truly 
seeking greatness. And, uh, you know, you, you hit on the Ravens defensive last year, uh, the 85 Bears defense, another defense is that 2000 Ravens defense that beat the New York, uh, the, the Giants. You know, that was a young Ray Lewis. And, uh, that was also a great defense that was, uh, mentioned up there with the Bears. But I, I, I tell you what, man, that 85 Bear defense to me, uh, it's going to be true. It's going to be hard to top them. But uh, I would say that uh, that's, this Seattle defense is, is just a little bit below them. But I, I don't know if there's a better defense besides the 85 Bear defense than this uh, Seattle Seahawks defense of 2013-14 uh, season. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. You am on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back to talk about Peyton Manning's legacy. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field tune in for nick ferguson's secondary perspective on the voice america sports channel our guests will bring you the stories the opinions the expertise and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news find out what happens next Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info. You saying what will Peyton Manning's legacy be now that he has only one Super Bowl championship in his third Super Bowl appearance? How do you think it's going to turn out for this guy? Are we going to be calling him the greatest Super Bowl, greatest quarterback ever, or will we be calling um, Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever if he can get back to another Super Bowl and win one? I, I just really feel that it's going to be debatable, Darren. I don't, I don't feel this game, win or loss, is going to really have that much effect on Peyton Manning's legacy. 
Peyton Manning, he, he is a living legend. He's a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he had a tremendous season. Uh, I'm not really going to put this lost on him, but uh, we know the nature of the quarterback position. Those guys get a lot of attention. Uh, they get a lot of credit. Uh, sometimes they get credit when it's not even uh, justified, Daryl. But uh, the one thing we do know, uh, and you're going to have some people that, that they're going to be strictly by the numbers and they're going to say the numbers don't lie. Peyton Manning is 1-2 and two in the only game that matters. Uh, and that's the Super Bowl. Uh, he's he's eleven and twelve in the postseason, which is the most losses in NFL history. Uh, this season, uh, he won his fifth MVP, which is the most in the, uh, the history of the league. He had the most touchdown passes, fifty five in a season, the most yards in a season with uh, five thousand four hundred and seventy seven. Uh, he's going to go down as one of the. Uh, the greats. Uh, is he going to be the all-time great? Uh, there's That's going to be debatable. Uh, he's going to have numbers-wise, if he can play another two to three years, he's going to probably have uh, some of the best numbers in the history of the game. Uh, and, and I really feel regardless of uh, his Super Bowl record or his postseason record, he's going to be a, a top-five quarterback of all time. Well, He's definitely going to be a top five quarterback of all time, but will we will we will we consider him the best of all time? And right now, uh, a lot of us consider him the best of all time. And, and unless he can come up with at least one more Super Bowl uh, victory, and that would be to tie his brother. And if his brother gets three Super Bowl victories, I know I know we can't compare him to his brother, but we can't call him the greatest Super Bowl, greatest quarterback ever if he doesn't at least have as many uh, Super Bowl championships as his brother, his little brother at that. Oh, hey, well, I I don't know, Derek. I really feel that that Super Bowl window's closing, and it's closing fast. Uh, Yes, it is. uh, I really feel that New England, they're going to get better. Uh, I I feel Denver, uh, that they'll be there again next year uh, challenging. uh, The Cincinnati Bengals, they're young. I I really feel that they can do some damage. Uh, But but then when I look at the NFC, man, I I, I really feel uh, that the NFC is going to be won in a division that Seattle and San Francisco is in because you're talking about two great teams. And then and you look two at two very young quarterbacks. Yes. Then you look at teams like Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, a healthy Aaron Rodgers. You look at a team like the Detroit Lions that has a, a tremendous amount of talent. They have a new leader in Jim Caldwell. Uh, you look at teams like the Bears, that, uh, they're, they're going to have a, a, a great offense, in my mind, with those two great receivers, uh, Cutler and Forte. Uh, so I, I really don't know, man. It'll be in Denver's best interest if somebody can knock off the San Francisco 49ers and the um, Seattle Seahawks because of just those two teams, to me, are two of the best defensive teams in the National Football League. So uh, I don't know if Peyton's going to get back to another Super Bowl. You know, it's it's, it's hard to get back, man. Uh, He's been fortunate to play in three. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel bad for a guy like Champ Bailey. He's played 15 years. He had a great career. And uh, last night he got beat like a drum. And I I tell you what, man, Doug Baldwin, when you're talking about selling it, he sold it, Daryl, because as a fan watching it, as a football guy, I thought he was about to stalk block Champ Bailey, and all of a sudden he just came out of there and he released on the pass run. He was wide open, man. And uh, But, hey, when you look at this game and when you talk about this game, another thing you got to really see, 
Seattle Seahawks, to me, they had a great game plan offensively for Denver's defense. On third down, they spread them out. They threw slant routes, uh, dig routes. and But the type of throws that they asked their quarterback to throw, they were throws. To me, they're the easiest throw in football to make is to throw over the ball. When you get into those out routes and those fades, that there's a little bit more uh, precision that's needed. But uh, my coach always used to say, hey, the easiest throw to make is the one right on the ball. So Denver didn't do a good job of playing their leverage. Uh, Seattle did a great job of executing. And, man, you're talking about everybody came into this game talking about Denver's almighty offense. But to me, they were stymied. They, They had success when it didn't matter, when the game was way out of control. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, Demaris Thomas had a lot of had thirteen catches, but they they were catches that didn't really didn't really matter late in the game. And when you look at um, at the Seattle Seahawks defense, man, I I would have to agree that when Peyton Manning had to move, and not, I'm not talking about scramble, I'm just talking about move two steps to the side. Or two steps forward, he's really off of his off of his mark, and it makes a big difference in his in his in his passing. Um, but I would have to tell you, Sam, um, Peyton Manning, he's known for one thing in specific, and that's finding an open receiver. He knows where the open receiver is going to be at. He's been able to find the open receiver on a number of occasions, but last night the window was was too tight. And I really, I really think it was because of the, um, the secondary and the defense of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, there were no open receivers as a reason why he couldn't find them. You know, and hey, and, and I look at people like Eric Decker. You know, he, he's he's a free agent at the end of this year. But Eric Decker, one catch. Come on, man. This is a guy that's that's usually known for for big plays. All this season, he's made big plays. But one catch in this game, it was it was it was. It was horrific. He could have, and I, I tell you, I wonder, um, this, um, Julius Thomas, you know, we were expecting something. I was expecting something from him, but he was just basically a, a bit too big and a little too slow for the Seattle Seahawks defense. And I, they were flying around at a pace that, that, um, that Denver were not able to keep up with. <laughs> they weren't used to it, man, and, and physical. They were getting there with intent to do harm. But uh, you're talking about Eric Decker that had 87 catches for 1,288 yards and 11 touchdowns on the season. They had one catch for six one yards catch. on five targets. But, uh, you know, uh, to get back to what you said about Peyton Manning, he know where to go with the ball, and uh, guys just went open. But, Daryl, I tell you what, the great defenses, when you can get pressure with four guys, it allows you to play coverage. It allows guys to drop back in zones, see the ball thrown. And you're talking about Seattle uh, playing zone. They understand their leverage. They understand seeing the quarterback, and they are getting great breaks on the ball. They're like we talked about the underneath throw uh, to uh, t- to Thomas and Chancellor driving on this. As soon as he's catching it and taking a step, you're talking about 
force a 231-pound man that's just sticking his foot in the ground and driving and, and just delivering a crushing blow. But that's understanding football. So if any of you young football players are out there and you're playing zone when your coach is talking to you about, hey, seeing the ball thrown and uh, driving and breaking on the ball, that's zone defense. You don't play zone defense looking at the receivers. You're seeing the quarterback. You're dropping to your space, to your area of the field. And when that ball is thrown, you're driving. You're getting great breaks on the ball. And Seattle understands that. They didn't come into this game trying to uh, mix up a bunch of uh, coverages and doing stuff that they weren't comfortable doing. They, they're pass rushers. They understood rush lanes. Uh, they wanted Peyton Manning to move. They did a great job of doing that. Uh, and, man, I tell you, you don't have to get sacks when you can make a guy move and take his eyes off of targets and just make it a little uncomfortable for him. And uh, that led to some interceptions by them hitting his arm. Uh, and then you rush a couple throws, Daryl, and uh, all hell breaks loose. I would, I would agree with you, Sam. But, hey, man, you know, I think we, you know, we look at championships and teams that are champions I think we have to look at everything. And let's don't, let's don't lose fact that uh, Pete Carroll has had players suspended even from the Seattle Seahawks for uh, violation of drugs. And these are drugs that are uppers pretty much. Um, you know, so they, it wasn't like they were steroids. They were more or less things to stimulate you. You know, and this is a very stimulated team. So let's don't be surprised if um, if something comes out later on about, you know, something going on with stimulus on this team, Sam. I'm just throwing that out there. You hey, know, man, I'm I know you bashing. I, I know you I know you bashing I'm, Pete Carroll. One minute you, know, you say you're in this corner, I'm and now you're, bring, and now you're bringing saying, these stuff up. Let's keep hey, it real, man. Come hey, on. We're going to keep it real, but at the same time, those guys have been punished. They paid. I'm, for the I'm, crime that they committed. And you know what? That's another reason that Pete Carroll was voted the coach that most players want to play for. Because you know what? He realized the guys are going to make mistake, uh, make mistakes. He allowed guys on the team. He don't set out a – he don't put a committee on them. He, he let guys – he welcomed guys. He let them police themselves. And you know what? Those are the type of coaches that guys want to play for. And I tell you what, there's going to be free agents because Cliff Averill is one of them that uh, could have made a, a hell of a lot more money signing with somebody else. But he left the Detroit Lions to sign with Seattle. And he and he, they got a discount. But when you have a coach like Pete Carroll, he don't throw his guys under the bus. Guys have been suspended. He supported those guys. He welcomed them back with open arms. Those are the type of coaches that guys want to play for. And, and, and that poll revealed it all last week when they said Pete Carroll is the guys that most players in the National Football League want to play for, Darrell. That is a reason. And you that know that what? Happened. That is a that is a heck of a statement, I'm, t- I'm telling you. I mean, that makes, that, that makes a, a, a voice that's very, very loud throughout the NFL and very loud for NFL fans. You hear me? Uh, Sam, I'm telling you, when, when, when players vote that they would love to play for this guy, I think that means a lot, man. I think it really does. It is, man, uh, because, you know, what? there are some coaches that guys can't stand. They, they wouldn't want to play for them. They get a reputation of just being tough, hard-nosed coaches, man. I, I, I tell you, there's nothing like the players. This isn't the NFL poll. This is players, current players. Say the guy that they would most like to play for is Pete Carroll. Hey, Daryl, 
Malcolm Smith goes from seventh round draft pick to two thousand uh, seventh round draft pick in two thousand eleven to Super Bowl MVP. You know, this is a guy that's kind of been overshadowed. Uh, he's playing on the defense with a lot of great players. He came up with the. Um, the interception in the NFC Championship game also. Uh, he caught an interception in this game. He raced 69 yards for a touchdown. He also had 10 tackles, a fumble recovery. I'm talking about a, a young man uh, that was asked in a press conference, hey, Malcolm, what was your 40-yard dash time at the combine? This is a young man that wasn't even invited to the combine, Dale. Another example of the job that Pete Carroll and his general manager do of finding talent that fits their system. A young man that didn't even start the season off starting. He was a fill-in guy. And what do we have here? A seventh-round draft pick, a guy who's not making a lot of money that's playing a superstar role for this Seattle Seahawks defense. Now, eventually, Daryl, they're not going to be able to pay all of these guys. They're not going to be able to pay Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Russell Wilson. They're not going to be able to pay them. But when you draft well and you understand the system, you're going to have a lot of success for four or five years where you got guys and you don't have to pay them where you're paying them on their rookie contract. And, man, you're going to benefit a lot. I think they oh, have to. They are benefiting a lot. They're going to take care of Sherman because it's hard to find guys that are 6'3 that can run like the wind and jump like Richard Sherman. You know, there's a lot of talk of who's the best defensive back. It's not even close between him and Revis. But I tell you what, man. Richard Sherman is a hell of a ball player. You can Richard say Sherman what you want to say about him. He's probably the best defensive back in the NFL right now. I, he's the best cornerback in the NFL right now. Um, I think Revis is, probably will never be the same Revis that we saw uh, three years ago. So, hey, but, you know, back to this kid, Malcolm Smith, uh, Sam. You know, when you look at these guys and... and he's from you, USC also. He's from USC. He's, he's a Southern Cal guy. Um, when, you, when you look at these guys, oh, Sam, if you play hard and you win championships, the money will come. If you're in a city like Seattle, you're in a city like Dallas, Texas, or Miami, and you're a, a rookie and you, you're making big plays and doing big things for your football team, oh, you're going to make more money off the, off the field than you will on the field. So I think the money is going gonna, is gonna to come to these guys if they are elite players. And, and if you're an elite player, you should have been drafted in a – if you're an elite player and you play at an elite level, you're going to be seen by these sponsors. You're going to be seen by these endorsements, and they're going to come to you. So I'm sure uh, the, the the parade in, in in Orlando today for Malcolm Smith just made him a whole lot of money, a truckload of money. He'll probably make two or three million dollars this year off the field for sure. He's only the third linebacker in the history of the National Football League to uh, win the defensive MVP. And, Darrell, you're talking about endorsements. Uh, they say Richard Sherman's uh, all the media attention he got for his uh, rant about Crabtree, they yes. say that, that might have generated him up to $5 million. Exactly. Another guy who's going to benefit uh, tremendously is Russell Wilson. He's a quarterback. Oh, sure. He's a well-spoken guy. He, he, he's going to cash in. So he, he's going to eat real well off of endorsements. But I tell you what, Russell Wilson is going to get paid between 15 and $22 million a year down uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, they got him for the cheap now, but they're going to have to pay the man. And, uh, hey, Darryl, you know, Malcolm Smith, he, he comes from a football family, man. His brother is Steve Smith that played for the uh, – mm-hmm. 
the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, uh, and the St. Louis Rams. So uh, just big up to Malcolm Smith, man. Keep doing your thing, and uh, don't worry about it, man. Have fun. Enjoy the moment. Uh, exactly. I, I looked in the paper, or well, online, and I see him with Mickey Mouse already, man. That's what it's about, man. Getting there to Disney, uh, that's a great parade. If you ever get a chance to go uh, go to that parade, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, uh, <laughs> Man, I, 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 I would you. agree with you, Sam. That is that that is a uh, a great parade. Uh, I've been there a few times and, and always had a wonderful time at that parade. But hey, you know, um, when you look at this kid, I'm sure being from California is not going to hurt him. He's he's been to Disney World over here on the East Coast. He's a well-known figure now here in the East Coast of Florida and just won a Super Bowl in New York. Hey, I hope he can parlay that into some big things and some big money for himself. Keep your nose out of trouble, Malcolm. I know you, you just won a Super Bowl. You just won um, the biggest game in, in, in sports history, the most watched event on tele- in television history. Keep your nose clean. Make a whole bunch of money. Make your parents happy and your family, your family very happy as well, man. Hey, there was a record, $119 million bet on this Super Bowl. And also, before we go to the break, Doug Baldwin called out ESPN's Chris Carter. You know, Chris Carter did a lot of talking about these wide receivers. He said that they were just appetizers because they don't, because they lack the main course. Well, well, Doug Baldwin told, and he also told Doug Baldwin to Google him. Well, Doug Baldwin Googled Chris Carter and found out that he lost in two NFC championship games, and he did not own a Super Bowl uh, championship. So Doug Baldwin had some choice words for Chris Carter. Uh, he told him that he needs to stick to playing football because he's not he's doing a half-assed job in uh, doing his research. And he also told Chris Carter that he can Google his ring that he's about to receive. Uh, I tell you what, man, you better be careful when you go after these Stanford guys because they sit back and they do their research. And they come back a-blazing uh, when, when you give them the gun, man. But, hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. You're on the Voice American Network. We'll be right back to welcome in the 2014 NFL Hall of Fame class and more. flagship station for sports voice america sports okay sports fans here's your opportunity to discuss football america's favorite sport on an annual basis millions of people attend watch and listen to football both pro and college ray ellis sports an internet talk radio show was developed with the fan in mind join host former philadelphia eagles and cleveland browns strong safety ray ellis on voice america sports every tuesday at 1 p.m pacific for exciting interactive football discussions from the fans perspective tune in every tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, this year is... 2014 NFL Hall of Fame group um, led by Michael Strahan. Man, I was happy to see Strahan get in. I think he, he was well-deserved, you know, regardless of what um, my man Sapp said and how he for, profusely apologized for saying what he said about um, Strahan. It's ridiculous, man. Sapp, come on, man. You're from the U. Keep your mouth shut. Or if you're going to say something, stand up behind it. Don't be apologizing. Come on. And, man, he also got to get his facts straight. He was screaming, oh, he only has four Pro Bowls. Well, uh, Michael Strahan has the same seven uh, Pro Bowls that Warren Sapp has. He has the same three all-pro teams that Warren Sapp has. He has 141 and a half sacks, man. He has a Super Bowl championship. This man is more than deserving of uh, being in the Hall of Fame. And I, and I tell you what, he didn't make it as a first ballot, but to me it was bittersweet. New York City is hosting the Super Bowl, and uh, Michael Strahan's gets announced as a Hall of Famer in New York. So uh, congratulations to Michael Strahan. He's doing a lot of great things also. He has a life outside of football. Football was just a small part of what he did. Uh, he, he's doing big things. Uh, last night he presented the Lombardi Trophy to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, another guy that made the um, – the, uh, the Hall of Fame. Derek Brooks is the first ballot Hall of Famer uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 14 years with the Buccaneers. Never missed a game, man. That's just a true testament to the pro he was. And, and I tell you what, when guys talk about cover two linebackers, that Tampa two that Coach Dungy made famous along with Money Kiffin, Derek Brooks was your prototypical Will linebacker uh, in that defense, man. He, he flew around. He was just the ultimate professional. Had a great career. Big ups to Derrick Brooks for making the Hall of Fame. Another guy that I want to just say, hey, man, it's a long time overdue is Ray Guy, a punter for the Oakland Raiders. This guy should have been in the Hall of Fame, Daryl, but he became the first punter in the history of the NFL to make it into the Hall of Fame. So now hopefully he he's going to the committee is going to be more mindful of the special team guys, some of the kickers and punters and punt returners, man. Uh, these guys also deserve a place in Ken. Claude Humphrey, uh, Walter Jones, another first ballot Hall of Famer. Aeneas Williams has finally kicked in the door, made it as a corner. I think Aeneas was a great defensive back. Uh, Daryl, uh, Long time overdue. And Andre Reed, there was a crowded field of wide receivers, and Andre Reed got in. To me, this is one of the most controversial, uh, Daryl. You had Tim Brown and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison made it to the final 10. Tim Brown didn't even make the final 10. Uh, so, Daryl, uh, 
again, I don't want to take anything away from Andre Reid. I think he's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. I think Tim Brown is eventually going to get in the Hall of Fame. I think Marvin Harrison will also join him in Ken one day. But uh, this is the... I'm a little surprised that Marvin Harrison did not make uh, the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, But, Daryl, what do you think about this class, man? You know, I'm I'm very excited about this class of Hall of Famers, man. I'm probably most excited to see Ray Guy go into the Hall of Fame because I grew up watching Ray Guy, you know. Man, this is a guy that that hit the top of the Superdome with a punt once. You know, he was one of the—he created the coffin kick. You know, this guy was, you watch, you watch the Oakland Raiders sometime just to see how high Ray Guy was going to kick the ball. No one returned any of his punts. You know, but Aeneas Williams, I was a little surprised to see Aeneas Williams go in so early, man, being a defensive back. You know, we just don't see this position um, um, thrown, in it, thrown in so quickly. Um, he wasn't a real flashy guy, didn't say a lot, um, but he was a very good um, defensive back played for a weak St. Louis Cardinals team for a long time, um, and then he played for the Arizona Cardinals as well. Hey, but Walter Jones, it doesn't surprise me that that this man went in so quickly. He was a dominant force for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, when the Seahawks didn't have anything, they had Walter Jones opening up gaping holes, and no one could get around him. You know, uh, hey, but I tell you, um, Derek Brooks. <clears throat> never missed a game, Sam. Come on, man. Who in the as NFL a, plays as a plays linebacker? As a linebacker. Years? Yeah, and this guy came from Florida State as a free safety. You know, he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't play linebacker in college. And a hard hitting, big free safety. But when he came to the NFL, he was a linebacker instantly and fit right in in that position. Never slowed down. And it's a testament, a testimony to his his toughness to move up. You know, a lot of guys can't move from 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 safety to to linebacker, but he was able to do that and and did it very well. I'm surprised Marvin Harrison didn't make it, man. And I'm very very surprised that Charles Haley didn't make it. I just thought Marvin Harrison. Um, because of his, because of his, 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 his legacy in Indianapolis, um, winning a Super Bowl, um, it, it, this, this is a receiver that only played on one side of the ball, Sam, and always seemed to get open. It, whether it was on the other side of the ball or on the side that he lined up on. But I, he I, lined I, up on the right side there. On the right I, side I, all I, the time. I played with him for three years, man. They didn't really move him. They didn't put him in motion. So if you wanted the game plan for him, if you wanted to put your best guy on him, he was going to be on the right side. And I tell you what, Daryl, for for about a five or six-year span, this guy had over 100 catches, uh, over 1,400 yards, and and averaged 13 touchdowns, Daryl. To me, that's unheard of when you're playing on one side. You're not moving around. Of course, I'm being biased. That's a teammate of mine. I just knew I was going to be planning me a trip to Ken to go watch his speech. And uh, to me, that's one of the best parts of the offseason, of the the Hall of Fame game, is watching those induction speeches. Uh, A little surprise, Daryl. But uh, I I will say that these guys are going to eventually get in. I got them on my who got – 
snub list, Kevin Green, uh, Jerome Bettis, Charles Haley, and Will Shields, and Marvin Harrison, all five of those guys are worthy of making the Hall of Fame. But uh, uh, I'm with you again. Charles Haley um, should have been in there. Five, six Super Bowl rings, uh, over 100 sacks. What did this man have to do uh, to be elected um, to Ken? The one thing we do know is sometimes the media holds it against you um, as a player when you're not as media-friendly doing your playing career. So... um, Hopefully that's a that lesson has a little learned. bit to do with it. And I hope that really doesn't have anything to do with it. Because that's the case, Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch, no matter what he does, he'll never go to the Hall of Fame. Hey, but when we look at Andre Reid, man, this is, a, this is a guy that took his team to four Super Bowls. You know, he, he was the lead receiver on that team, all four of their Super Bowl appearances. However, they didn't win any of them. He was, he was the man when the, when the Bills went to the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, he was. He played, and, and, and I think was uh, what really held him back and was going to hold Marvin Harrison back uh, for a couple years is uh, they get penalized for playing with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning's going to be a Hall of Famer. And uh, also receivers are being penalized because they're saying, oh, it's such a receiver-friendly league. But uh, man, I'll tell you what, man, Marvin Harrison, uh, he did some things that Jerry Rice didn't even do. Uh, Jerry Rice is considered the GOAT. But uh, numbers-wise, I mean, he's second or third in most categories when he when he retired. Uh, again, not to take anything away from Andre Reid, but uh, eventually Marvin Harrison, he's going to go in. So now, uh, in a couple of years, you're going to have Terrell Owens and Randy Moss coming up uh, for um, election. But to me, in the era with Marvin Harrison, uh, I, I I know you got Randy Moss, you got Terrell Owens, you got Marvin Harrison. Uh, again, Moss, to me, he was almost a one-trick pony. He was great. Terrell Owens had a great career. If, if I got to pick between them three, Daryl, from being able to see and scout Marvin Harrison for three years, I'm going to take Marvin Harrison. And he's only He was probably only 175 pounds, 180 pounds, man. But this man was amazing. Everything he did was at full speed. Uh, he did not go against. He always wanted to go against the starting corner. This man practiced at game speed. Uh, again, you're talking about the media. He wasn't, not that he wasn't media friendly, but he was a very private man, and uh, he kept to himself. But, uh, again, all of those guys are great players. They're going to eventually get in. I think Tim Brown, I'm a little surprised that he didn't make the list of the final ten. Where, yeah, where, you, well, where you going? So that, that kind of surprised me. Or, or, Coach, or Tony Dungy didn't make that list. John Lynch, another guy didn't make that list. So to me, that, that's a big shocking. And then now we gotta, uh, you got to ask yourself, who was who eligible uh, for the 2015? And that's, gonna knock, that's also going to knock out some of those guys uh, yeah, from being elected. You're right, because now we have people like Randy Moss who will be um, – eligible for the Hall of Fame coming up. Terrell Lawrence, he's going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame coming up. Hey, and I, but I really see Charles Haley going in the Hall of Fame very quickly. But Jerome Bettis, on the other hand, you know, he, he made the top ten, the, uh, the final ten this year, but I can't see him. Running back is one of those positions, Sam. You either got to be really great, you know, um, Gail Sayers kind of great, Emmitt Smith kind of great, to, to, to walk into the Hall of Fame on the first or second ballot. And I'm not so sure if he's going to be one of those guys to even make it on, uh, on the next ballot for the Hall of Fame. Who, uh, Jerome Bettis? Jerome Bettis. 
I, I feel Jerome Bettis will eventually uh, get in. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, Orlando Paces, he's getting ready to come up in 2015. He's going to be a guy. He's walking in. He's going he's gonna to walk in. Uh, Brett Favre is going to be eligible in uh, he's 2000. He's walking in. In 2016, Terrell Owens, 2016. Uh, so you know uh, those guys are coming up, man. They're coming down the um, they're coming down the pipe, man. Brett Favre is going pipe. to the Hall. And there, there's not a doubt that he's going to get uh, into the Hall of Fame. Jerome Bettis, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. He has Hall of Fame numbers, but uh, I, I think some of those guys they're just going to have to wait, man. They're going to get frustrated. It's a very frustrating process for some guys, and. Uh, it isn't always uh, fair, but uh, you know, eventually they're going to get in, man. Well, it, it, it's not so. It's not so certain. Look at Ray Guy, man. Eventually he got in, but how many years did it take this man to to make it to the Hall of Fame? He's an old man now. You know, this is a guy that's in his sixties now. You know, so it's, yeah. it's you know, it, hopefully, um, hopefully. Um, some of these guys will make it in, but it's no guarantee. Kevin Green is another one. You know, Kevin Green played on some Super Bowl teams, but Kevin Green was no Lawrence Taylor. You know, he he's just not one of those flashy standout kind of linebackers. I can't really see him walking into the Hall of Fame in, in the next two years. Okay, let me ask you this. Next year, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Edron James, Ty Law, Kevin Mawile, Orlando Pace, Junior Seau, and Kurt Warner. Junior Seau is going in the Hall of Fame. Junior Seau is going in the Hall of Fame. First ballot. Kurt, Kurt Warner, he may go in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if Kurt Warner is he a first may, ballot. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I feel he's eventually a Hall of Famer, but I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I, 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 I just don't know. I, you know, I have a soft spot for Edron James, and I really hey, think Darryl, I played with Edron. I think eventually, I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think eventually he will get in the I Hall of Fame. I think eventually he will get in the Hall of hey, Famer. Hey, but when you look at Edron James, and you look at people like Andre Reid. Andre Reid, man, how long it took him to get in the Hall of Fame. Tim Brown, he's still not in the Hall of Fame. So had, did Edron James put in the body of work that Tim Brown? Did Edron James put in the body of who? Did he put in the same body of work that Tim Brown put in? Tim he Brown. Different positions, though. You got to look at, you gotta look at the by positions. I understand. Different positions, but you look at the work that they put in. Now, I'll probably say Edge did more for the. I'll probably say Edge did more for the Indianapolis Colts than Tim Brown did for the Raiders. The one thing that's hurting him, in my opinion, is uh, he didn't get that. Uh, he didn't get the Super Bowl. I really feel that that's uh, that that's, that's going to hurt him a little bit. But hey, guys, it's been fun. It's a whole lot fun. of fun, Sam. So uh, we will see you guys next week, same time, same station, uh, and we look forward to talking about a lot of great sports stories. Peace. Hey, good luck, Northwest, and on that lawsuit against your team. We like that. Make and that we'll money, about, guys. We'll talk about recruiting next week. Yep. Hey, peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.